Lecture notes. Plato, knowledge, and the really real. The assigned textbook reading for this week is Vaughn chapter 4. This week we'll continue our unit on ancient philosophy with a study of Socrates' most famous student, Plato. We'll start with Plato's views on knowledge. Before we get into that, however, I want to briefly address the overlap between the ideas of Plato and Socrates. One tricky and fun thing about studying Plato is that the lines between Plato and Socrates are constantly blurred. As you already know, what we know about Socrates mostly comes from the dialogues written by Plato, in which Plato recounts conversations Socrates had with other people. However, this raises several interesting puzzles. For example, are the dialogues Plato wrote a record of what Socrates thought, or what he Plato thought, or both? Is Plato putting his own voice into Socrates' character? To what extent are the dialogues literary versus literal records? We won't worry too much about these questions. They're questions scholars of ancient philosophy have to deal with, but we're just an intro class. However, I do want you to be aware of some of the potential difficulties lurking when it comes to Plato's scholarship. However, I also hope that you enjoy reading and studying Plato. His dialogues can be quite fun. Socrates can be quite snarky, so it's fun to read about his conversations. It's also fun to read the various myths and stories recounted in Plato's dialogues. Part 1. Review Metaphysics and Epistemology Today, we take physics to be scientific study of the physical world, what can be seen, heard, smelled, tasted, and touched. The philosophical study of metaphysics takes an even larger view of reality by asking about the nature of reality beyond our physical senses. In fact, our word metaphysics comes from the Greek meaning beyond the physical. As with every topic in philosophy, there have been a huge range of views about metaphysics over the history of philosophy. Materialists, for example, assert that the world we perceive with our senses encompasses all that there is to reality. But for Plato, reality extends beyond that which can be measured or observed. In fact, for Plato, the truly real world is immaterial and eternal. Remember that epistemology is a study of knowledge. When doing epistemology, we ask questions like, what is truth? What is the nature of knowledge? And so on and so forth. Although there's some disagreement about this, most philosophers think that knowledge is something like justified true belief. Let's break that down. Belief. You can't know something if you don't believe it. For instance, I do not believe that I am a kangaroo. So it follows from this that I cannot know that I am a kangaroo. Next, justified. For us to have knowledge, we have to have reasons for what we believe. We can't just believe claims at random and then claim to have knowledge if we get lucky and happen to believe something true. For instance, say I'm simply guessing and I say, I would guess there are 13 shirts in your closet. Furthermore, say that I'm right. But would we say that I knew there were 13 shirts in your closet? No, we would say that I guessed it or I merely believed it because I did not have any reasons or evidence to back up this belief. It was simply a guess, not knowledge. Finally, true. Knowledge must be true. Some beliefs are justified, we have good reasons to believe them, but are nonetheless false. Let's say when I leave for work in the morning, I see a bottle of ketchup in the fridge. 
But then, after I leave, my husband pours ketchup all over his breakfast. The man really does love ketchup. So he uses up all of the ketchup. If you ask me, do you have ketchup in your fridge? It's totally reasonable for me to say, yes, I saw it in the fridge this morning. But although justified, this belief of mine would be false. And so we would not say that I have knowledge in this particular case. So that's a brief overview of metaphysics and epistemology. Although distinct as philosophical subfields, they are in many cases natural pairs. After all, we should aim to know epistemology the way things really are, metaphysics. However, Plato takes this natural pairing a step further than most. Part two, the really real. Let's start with two Greek words, doxa and episteme. The first, doxa, refers to belief or opinion. The second, episteme, is translated knowledge or understanding. Plato drew a sharp divide between opinion and knowledge. He thought that mere beliefs had to be transformed by a process of reasoning in order to count as knowledge. This is why I sometimes like to use understanding as a translation for episteme. We in modern English also distinguish between someone who has a very shallow, although perhaps correct, view about some, something and someone who really understands it. For example, I'm not a doctor. And so I might, when speaking about some medical condition, say, oh yeah, I think you would normally have to take medication such and such for that. Now, further imagine that I'm right, but do I really understand what I'm talking about? No, at least I personally do not. Someone who is a medical doctor or perhaps a pharmacist might have a deep understanding of why this medication is the correct one for the situation. So something like this is a distinction between doxa and episteme. Doxa is a mere belief or opinion, whereas episteme is what's really valuable, what we really want to aim for, knowledge or understanding. So how do we transform our opinions or beliefs into knowledge or understanding? Again, Plato says opinions have to undergo a transformation through reasoning. So does that mean we can take any old opinion, reason about it, and think hard about it, and then voila, it's knowledge. Well, think about people who get trapped in echo chambers online. Often these people spend a tremendous amount of time thinking and reasoning about their false beliefs. They obsessively watch videos and participate in online discussion and belong to groups and read articles. They are reasoning in overdrive, but they are also spinning their wheels, so to speak. Their reasoning is not turning their doxa, opinion, into episteme, knowledge or understanding. Furthermore, Plato in particular has a very high bar for knowledge. He thinks that we can only have knowledge of that which is really real. In philosopher speak, we would say that the proper object of knowledge for Plato is that which is really real. Let me give you a sort of analogy. Say we pull up Instagram, we find some random person on Instagram, a person that none of us know personally. I give you the assignment to review their page for 30 minutes. Now, let me ask you, could you come to know that person on the basis of looking at their social media for a while? I'm guessing most of you would say no. I would agree. I don't think you can really know someone purely based on a little time spent reviewing their social media. Why not? 
because social media doesn't really capture who they are. It's a very carefully curated picture of a person. It doesn't capture their true reality. Something like this is how Plato reasons about knowledge in general, except he takes it in sort of a radical direction. Just like you might argue that we can't get knowledge from Instagram because social media isn't truly real, Plato argues that we cannot have knowledge of the physical world because the physical world isn't truly real. What? <laughs> you might be thinking, that is wild talk. What's more real than something you can see, feel, measure, etc.? Well, keep in mind the following things. The physical world changes. It's constantly in flux. Furthermore, things in the physical world look different depending on your perspective. A situation or object might look one way to me and another to my sister, one way to me and another way to my cat. Things in the physical world change and decay over time. Now, none of this bothers us in the modern world. But for Plato, all of this flux and change and decay was a sign that the physical world wasn't truly, really real. And thus, he thought that we can't have knowledge or understanding, episteme, of the physical world. Our views of the physical world, or the world of becoming, as sometimes Plato puts it, are doxa, mere belief or opinion. Part three, the forms. So is Plato a skeptic? Does he think it's possible for us to have any knowledge at all? Yes, Plato thinks that we can have knowledge. He just thinks that the proper object of knowledge is the immaterial, eternal realm of the forms, not the physical world that changes and decays. What does he mean by forms? And note that when we're talking about Plato, forms should always have a capital F. How to understand this is very tricky, since Plato's concept of the forms is highly metaphorical and he doesn't lay it out clearly. Still, we'll do our best to puzzle out what he means in very broad terms, and we just won't worry about the details. Let's look at what Plato himself says about the forms. What about these things? Do we say that justice itself is something? Of course. And the fair and the good? Surely. Then have you ever seen any of these sorts of things with your eyes? In no way. But then have you grasped them with any other sense through the body? I'm talking about all of them, for instance, size, health, strength, in a word about the essence of all of them, what each happens to be. Is it through the body then that what is most true of these things is contemplated or does it hold thus? Whoever of us should prepare himself to consider most accurately each thing itself about which he inquires, that one would come closest to knowing each thing. He would do this most cleanly, who using his intellect by itself, unmixed, would undertake to hunt down each of the beings, itself by itself unmixed. And then from a different part of the Phaedo. Well then, consider then what follows if you also accept my hypothesis. For it seems to me that if anything else is beautiful besides beauty itself, it is beautiful on account of nothing else than because it partakes of beauty itself. And I speak in the same way about everything else. Do you accept this sort of cause or explanation? In these passages from Phaedo, Plato, via Socrates, argues that our knowledge of things like justice, goodness, and health 
are not knowing known through the senses. And he has a point. Have you ever come across justice or beauty on the sidewalk? Have you ever seen the essence of these things with your eyes? No. Rather, Plato argues that we know these things through intellect itself unmixed. Furthermore, he says that particular beautiful or good or just or healthy things or people have these characteristics because they participate in the immaterial essence of these things that is known through reason. This idea of participating in is a little confusing, and you should think of it as a kind of metaphor. Plato is saying that what makes a beautiful statue, for example, beautiful, is not the collection of physical properties it has. The statue is beautiful in virtue of its relationship to the very essence of beauty. But since no physical thing is the very essence of beauty, the true essence of beauty must be something immaterial or spiritual. This in a nutshell is Plato's theory of forms. Forms are universal, immaterial ideals or properties that particular objects in the world partake in, and that is what gives them their nature. As I said above, Plato's theory of the forms is really complex and disputed, so we're not going to worry about the details beyond what I've already said. You should know the following things about the forms. One, for Plato, the immaterial forms are what's truly re real, not the physical world. Two, the proper object of knowledge is the immaterial forms. Three, we know the forms through reason or intellect. Section four, knowledge is recollection. Plato argued that we discover the forms through disciplined study and reasoning. More specifically, however, he seemed to think that our souls already have knowledge and that what we perceive to be the process of learning is actually just the process of using reason to remember or recollect what our immortal souls already know. Plato's argument for this comes from the dialogue Mino, an excerpt from which is given in your textbook. Please be sure to carefully read Socrates' exchange with Mino. In the dialogue, a child enslaved by Mino is able to answer simple questions about geometry. Socrates, practicing the Socratic method, quizzes Mino about this. Did you teach the boy geometry, Mino, he asks. Mino says, no. So how did the boy come to know geometry? We in the modern world would probably say he used his mind to figure it out in the moment. Socrates, however, concludes that the boy knows geometry, no person has taught him any geometry. He must be remembering or recollecting his knowledge of geometry from a previous existence, so his soul must be immortal. Plato's view on this matter is known as rationalism. Rationalism is the view that knowledge comes not from experience, but from reason. Plato seems to think that we have innate knowledge, knowledge we're just born with, and we use reason to uncover or remember this knowledge. This is actually a nice point to tie back into the Socratic method, which is of course a method of reasoning. Through this process of reasoning, we can uncover our innate knowledge of a given form, justice, knowledge, virtue, good, etc. True knowledge or episteme comes from reasoning according to Plato and the correct process of reasoning leads us to knowledge of the forms.